0: Are getting weary, my back is getting tight. I'm sitting here in traffic on the Queensboro Bridge tonight, but I don't care because all I want to do is cash my check and drive right home to you. Because, baby, all my life I will be driving home to you. I am not moving. And if you force me, I will wear only underwear to dinner. You're coming, even if I got a tacky and strap you to the hood of my car. Sometimes there is a show that is so indicative of what you watched as a kid. And even as a young person, (laughs) what you watched, that it marks itself in your lexicon and in your mind for a long, long time. And it's what you watch either for background noise or for joy or for everything. It's just something that you love to do and something that you love to watch. And that, for me, has always been what you kind of heard at the beginning. Has always been King of Queens. And I wanted to study a little bit more about it and dive into Wikipedia and the fan page and other things. And I've always wanted to learn more about just the characters from their point of views. And a lot at the beginning there, just to give credit where credit is rightfully due. That was the theme. I believe it was Billy Vera and the Beaters. And then uh, the great Jerry Stiller as Arthur. And then Kevin James as Doug. Doug Heffernan, of course. Um, There have been... I could talk exponentially and at length about why the series just jumps out at me and why it's so incredibly awesome. There have been quotes that have come from the series and nicknames and things that are just so unbelievably beyond perfect. And... I have idolized even since before The King of Queens when he was Frank Costanza uh, on Seinfeld I've idolized Jerry Stiller Um, and this is just me personally I'm not a fan not a fan of his son there are things that Ben does Ben is a a talented actor and I will say that and there are things that I've seen Ben do that I've liked him that I've liked him I'm not a huge fan of Ben or his sister Amy But I can see, I can certainly see, they're they're very talented people. And they come from a very talented long line, long family. But in the lexicon of history, you can't say, you can't say his name without sticking the great in front of it. You can't say the great Jerry Stiller. He, Jerry was an icon. Of television he was to me he was the ultimate TV dad and every dad every TV dad has his fault has their shortcomings and Arthur was never was never shy was never sad about it he was he had his shortcomings and he always admitted to them there was there's I'm gonna harken back to a lot of lines that I remember from the King of Queens where um. I forget what exactly prompted it, but Carrie was was ecstatic about something and reacted something and she shoved Doug down the stairs. And Arthur said, Darn it, Carrie, I've I've shoved dozens of people downstairs, but darn it, I've always owned up to it. Now there's a lot of there's um a lot of quotes I can watch that series and either pay attention to it, or just kind of hear it in the background, and randomly, off the top of my head, quote lines from it. Most of them Jerry Stiller's lines, but I can quote lines from it. Uh, I forget exactly what, for example, I forget exactly what brought the discussion up, or what brought the moment up, but there, I think Doug was mad or angry that that Arthur was living across the, across the hall from them in Carrie's office. And he said he said something and then Arthur said back to him, Excuse me Excuse me, it was a water pick. Um something else brought up where he said, Forgive me for not being a bigger fan of gum disease and stuff like that, stuff like that. Um he says Ah Paris The city the city of light saw saw freedom once again when we liberated her back in forty four it saw life once again or light once again i also got the clap but that's a story for another time now i may have i may have fudged that quote up and i apologize for everyone huge fans that are as much fans as i am but i got hopefully i got as close as i as i wanted to and was hoping for it was a great series and i wanted to do a little bit of research and do a little bit of stories on the characters and there, I did an episode where it talked about the King of Queens. And I think I touched on the series and what I've touched on thus far, what it meant to me. Um, everyone, like I said earlier, everyone has series that mean something personally to them. That, that help them relax, that help them background noises, stuff that they just enjoy. And King of Queens is that comfort blanket it's the soothing thing that I always love and I've always have enjoyed and always will enjoy so I wanted to know some more about the characters themselves and I'm going to to go through as much of them as I can and touch on, on as much of them as I can so I'm going to start off with his full name Arthur Eugene Spooner he was actually Arthur was originally in the pilot portrayed by Jack Carter and then Jerry replaced him Thank God. Nothing against Jack at all. I'm sure he's a very talented man. Um, Smart move with Jerry. But Arthur Eugene Spooner served in the U.S. Army during World War II with countless jobs after that. Prior to Carrie's birth, he was an actor. Little is known about Arthur's early life. He was born in 1925 to an abusive father, but nothing is known about his mother. He lived on a farm from the ages of seven to ten, then again at forty-three. He was a gifted singer as a child, performing jigs for the workers at the Empire State Building. He has an estranged half half brother named Skitch. And he was bald until the he was bald until the age of twelve, and lost his virginity to someone named Peppermint Patty. He possibly he possibly attended the state university. Of the State University of of New York State University of New (laughs) York I'm making up my own movie I'm making up my own state the State University of New York at Oneonta having having mentioned playing for the Oneonta Red Dragons Arthur served, served in World War II in the Italian theater and at the Battle of the Bulge and also mentions being in Paris he, he variously claims to have been in the US Army's 33rd Brigade at the 71st Infantry Division. At some point during his enlistment, he left a man named Jack Russell for dead. Sometime after the war, Arthur took up a career as an actor performing on Broadway at the other and at other venues. It was during this time that he met his first wife, and Carrie's mother Sophia a show dancer after a night of passion the couple found out that Sophia was pregnant and decided to get married for the sake of the child Simone the child Simone later named Carrie Arthur lost Carrie's birth name of Simone in a poker game I remember that episode and she had to switch names with her cousin Carrie Carrie has no recollection of this incident He quit his acting career in an attempt to create a more stable life for his daughter. Ironically, his unstable marital life and always unsure job situation led to even less security than Carrie might have had if Arthur had remained an actor. Doug and Carrie occasionally point out this fact, but Arthur always discounts it. During Carrie's young life, Arthur held an innumerable number of jobs Including at a crab cannery in Maryland, Maryland, which I believe Arthur says is Glen Burnie, Maryland. Jobs in sales, a brief stint working for PBS on Sesame Street, and many others. He worked for a br- he worked briefly in customer service, stating if at little, stating if a little person walked into his store, it was all he could do. It was all he could talk about for years. At the time, they called them little people. And I just lost my place. He also sold ribbons at the time Doug and Carrie were were purchasing their home. He thought it was a good idea to cut out the middleman and offer little girls in the schoolyard ribbons to buy for their hair. Which Carrie convinced him was a bad idea. Very, very bad idea already. He was unable to maintain any of these careers for more than a month at a time, resulting in a very volatile home life for his family. Though he was never able to hold down a job for very long, he did land 74 of them, one as a woman. However, in another episode, he claims to have had nearly 200. In 1985, Carrie's mother Sophia died leaving Arthur a widower and a single parent of 15-year-old Carrie. With Arthur unable to stay employed, Carrie was forced to work work in in addition to attending high school. Because of this, she never attended college. During a Thanksgiving episode, it was mentioned that Arthur met his second wife, Lily, at a bus stop. After Arthur said, Why don't you go back to the corner where I found you? And Lily replied I was waiting for the bus in the pilot episode in the pilot episode Arthur's third wife Tessie has died other subsequent burns his house other sub Arthur subsequently burns his house down while cooking on his lucky hot plate this forces our forces Arthur and then at the time his other daughter Sarah who was written out of the first season without explanation, forces the two of them to move in with Doug and Carrie. Arthur quickly shows himself to be obnoxious, boorish, and mentally unstable, frequently bursting into tirades at the slightest provocation. His his grating personality angers Doug, but as the series progresses, they grow accustomed to each other. Arthur Otto always adamantly refused to be outdone or slighted in any conceivable manner. During the course of the show, he forced the woman, he forced the woman to lose her job because she hurt his feelings. Caused countless false emergencies at the senior center, reducing many people to tears. Investigated purported similarities between himself and several fictional characters engaged in arguments with tough younger individuals often forcing doug to protect him loudly proclaiming most of his views on doug and carrie's wedding video and relentlessly insulting doug's friends particularly spence uh, Patton oswald a good example of arthur's behavior is when he discovers an old episode airing of the of the ten thousand dollar pyramid on which he appeared in 1976, a fact that he has a fact that he has told Doug several dozen times. When asked if he won, Arthur in turn asks if he if he would be living in this dump if he had. Kerry Doug and Gary's basement. He later asks Kerry's help in suing the boyish grin off Dick Clark's face because he never got the full supply of ricecerroni he had been promised after the appearance. A scandal he has named Ricerroni Gate. In an effort to placate Arthur, Clark's representative offers to give him a book instead of the box of ri- of the rice dish, the continued production of which the, the representative is unsure. After assuring the representative that ricecerroni is still made in various mouth-watering flavors, Arthur refuses, screaming, I don't want to read! I don't want to read! I want to eat! Arthur ultimately receives a 30-year 30 30 year supply of rice in addition to the original supply he was promised on the game show. After, presumably, blackmailing Dick Clark with a photo of Clark, quote, locked in a muddy embrace with Fanny Flagg which was theoretically captured from his appearance on the Battle of the Network Stars. The vintage pyramid clip used for this episode is from the actual appearance Jerry Stiller made on the game show of that same year. Additionally, in the season 6 episode Trash Talker, Arthur mentions that he allegedly has a lifelong hatred for Larry King, stemming from when they were kids and Arthur stole one of King's prize baseball cards and was subsequently kicked out of school after King tattled on him. Arthur marries his, marries his fourth wife, Veronica Olchin, played by, played by Jerry Stiller's real wife, Anne Mara, and the mother of Doug's friend, Spence. In the series finale, China, China Syndrome, he, they married in the series finale, and they divorced one year later. Perhaps Arthur's most noticeable trait is his tendency to speak in flowing, elegant sentences, typically employing long words. He also frequently used outdated expressions, such as cat's feet. Likewise he he calls cell phones cellular telephones, referred to Istanbul as Constantinople, which it was once called. And identifies ketchup by its by its proper name, rather than the popular brand name that has universally been called ketchup. One of its one of his most was most often used quotes is, "How dare you!" He has been known to say, "Thank you very little," and that is a separate issue. He often remarks to those who pry into his business. That is none of your affair. That's none of your affair. When he feels that he is being pushed around or told what to do, usually by Kerry. Arthur often responds to implying. Or often Arthur often responds by implying that the person is a dictator. Yes, mein Führer. He often says, joking around, obviously, or a smear tactic politician. No, thank you, Senator McCarthy. He almost invariably addresses or refers to Doug by his full name, Douglas. Likewise, when he addresses Doug's cousin Danny, he calls him his, he calls him his full name, or my full name, Daniel. He also addresses Spence by his full name, Spencer, Doug and Carrie's neighbor, neighbor Lou Ferrigno as Louis, and Deacon as Mr. Palmer. Now, sarcastic, brash, and always scheming, Artie has taken up residence in the basement of Doug and Carey's house. He has been walked by the dog walker, Holly, and his best friend is Mickey. Quick to take offense, he shouts frequently and often unnecessarily. There, has, there is a lot on Arthur. Arthur is so critical and so essential to the story and to the plot line, it's 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 incredible. It's and now one of the other the brilliances. The, the the I still think he's great. I really like Kevin James. I'm a huge fan of Kevin James. I really like him. And he's 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 he incredible. And of course he's an IPS driver. Doug was born on February 9, 1965, in Montreal, Quebec, while his mother, Janet, and Father Joe were attending a friend's wedding. He had been told by his parents that he had been, been born in New York City and only discovered the truth later as an adult. In the episode, Doug Shelter, he has one sister, a physical education teacher named Stephanie, played by Ricky Lake. Doug's father owned a small hardware store in Queens, and his mother was a homemaker. References in a number of episodes indicate that the Heffernan home was a Catholic one. Although Doug seems to have strayed from his, from this after moving out, he lived with his parents until 27, before he moved into Richie's apartment. It also appears that Doug's father, Joe, had wanted Doug to, to assume control over the hardware store, when he came of age, but Doug showed a little interest. He was a chubby child and was even sent to fat camp by his parents. Doug's weight battle was frequently a subject of contention between him and Carrie, with Carrie encouraging him to eat healthier, but Doug steadfastly in his employment of fry, in his employment, steadfast (laughs) Steadfast in his employment He paid the food to eat He paid the food so he could eat it (laughs) Instead Eat healthier Doug steadfast in his enjoyment Of fried foods and snacks In fact Carrie's domineering personality Over the more easygoing Doug Was another frequent subject matter Which Doug Often secretly defying with, With Doug often secretly defying her demands Doug is an avid sports fan Supporting the Mets, the Jets, the Knicks, and even the Islanders, Doug, in fact, was proposed to carry at a Jets game. One year, one year for Christmas, when he was given a Miami Dolphins Christian, cri- when he was giving a Miami, given a Miami Dolphins Christmas ornament. Doug openly didn't like it because both the Jets and the Dolphins played in the AFC East. He would often say, "You can't put it." On, he would say to his dad, "I can't put that on the tree. That doesn't make any sense. You can't. One ornament doesn't cancel out the other." Doug's love, despite the Jets-Patriots rivalry becoming more intense during the show's run than the Dolphins'. It was never mentioned in the show. However, the Monday Night Miracle did take place during the show's 3rd season. Doug's love for the Mets is reflective of Kevin James in real life. He named He named his daughter Shay Joel after the then home of the Mets, Shea Stadium. Doug attended St. Gregory's High School in Queens, where he befriended Spence. He also went to school with his cousin, Danny. Danny is played by Gary Valentine. Now, Gary Valentine is actually Doug's brother. Doug's brother. Gary Valentine is actually Kevin's brother. Kevin James' brother. Which is very interesting in the concept of how they worked into the show. But both, both Gary and Kevin pulled it off brilliantly. Pulled it off really, really well. Doug played high school football... At Saint Greg, as a St. As a Gregory's Commodore and was a star player as a starting fullback. He was all-country in football during his junior and senior years. Frequent, frequent references to, this, to his, this era show that Doug was very popular in school, but, but it is because of this that he thinks of high school as his best years of his life unlike other popular jocks who usually bully outside outsiders and geeks Doug was never like that in high school and the main reason he was liked why and the main and that was the main reason he was liked in the episode high school Doug says to Carrie during an argument oh I see what's going on you're mad because I rocked in high school and you didn't Carrie was the mean girl and the rebellious teenager in high school and Doug was a slacker and sometimes outsider who wanted to be liked in high school. After graduation, he went on to junior, junior college at Nassau Community College located on Long Island, but he dropped out after eight years without any clear, plan, any clear plan. He tried out for the Nassau County Rebels, a semi-professional football team, but ultimately quit because of politics. He later acquired a job as a bouncer at a bar. Around this time, his friend Richie, his friend Richie Iannucci, a firefighter for the FDNY, introduced him to his future wife Carrie. While dating Carrie, Doug inadvertently landed inadvertently landed his final and longest-standing job as the truck driver for IPS, the International Parcel Service. Doug's trademark phrase shuddy is a means of telling people to shut up in the series it was stated that Doug and Carrie had known each other in junior in junior high that story was rewritten the new plot stated that Doug and his friend Richie met Carrie at the bar or the club then went on a double date that did not go well until the end Doug first met Carrie's father Artie at a Thanksgiving dinner that went horribly wrong. Doug, nearly scared, Doug was nearly scared away by Artie, who disapproved of the relationship. But later in the episode, he and Carrie declared their love for one another outside the house on the driveway. Doug and Carrie got engaged at a Jets game and married in 1995, prior to the start of the series. Initially, they lived with Arthur while searching for a house. After finding a house, Artie's wife died and his home burnt down. And he was forced to move in with them. The house, the original house that they bought, is not the one you see throughout the series. There, I forget the name of the episode, and someone who knows it can please fill me in here and correct me. Give me the correct answer of the show, of the, of the what the house was. But it, it had... It had a spiral staircase, a dumbwaiter, and a sunken living room. Uh, The dumbwaiter dumbwaiter is kind of like an elevator for food. You open up a little sliding window, and you put the food, or whatever it is, in on a shelf. Excuse me, an allergy cough here. And then there's a crank outside the outside the the window that you slide up and down, that that allows you to raise and lower the elevator. So that was the that was the uh, that was the original house that they bought before they moved into the house that the series is known for. In season 6, the loving couple decide to renew their vows to show their love and affection for one another. The idea came to be came to be during came to them during a romantic dinner where Doug becomes inspired and courageously proclaims his love for Carrie. Carrie is touched by the kindness of her husband and suggests to Doug that they should renew their vows. As the day rolls on, the couple's initial enthusiasm Towards renewing their vows quickly quickly dwindles. They soon find they do they soon find that planning the wedding is becoming a hassle and much more troublesome than they had initially expected. Through mutual agreement, they call off the wedding, and the couple called their friends and relatives to let them know of the cancellation. However, to their surprise, the reaction of the relatives and friends is unexpected. Doug's mother is worried that there is a pr- there's something wrong with her son's marriage. Doug and Carrie's frustrations grow as rumors of their marriage complications are spread. They decide that the ceremony will go ahead, and despite further complications, finding a chimp to serve as Doug's best man, instead of Danny, proves to be tough. Doug and Carrie renew their vow- or their vows anyway. At the end of the series, Doug and Carrie adopt a baby girl from China. On the same day, Carrie realizes that she's pregnant. There has been theories that there's going to be a reboot. Now, this is just rumor. I'm not, you know, furthering this along or passing this along. This is just what I've heard. So it's a rumor. It's not confirmed. It's just this is just what I've heard there has been talk of a reboot of King of Queens. Now, I've heard that they're going to reboot it with help from or input from the original cast. And the cast has been asked, would you do the series without Artie? Because, unfortunately, last year Jerry Stiller passed. God bless the great Jerry Stiller. But would they do the series or do a reboot Without Arthur, and they all would be more than happy to, and they all wanted to. A lot of the thought that, at least again, as I understand it, is that they're going to continue the series as uh, with Doug and Carrie's kids, and that would be interesting. I, I have thought about that, and how could that go, and what would that be like, and and how could that work. Because a lot of the series is based on Doug as the everyman. And if that could go, how could it go? And it's 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 wondering, it's interesting. Um, I wonder how it would go. I think the show could succeed very well with bringing, uh, bringing Leah, Leah Remini, bringing Leah, uh, Kevin, and... And all the other cast members back—Victor uh, Williams, Marin Dungy, Pat Oswald, Gary Valentine—all those guys bringing all that back—that would be that would work, and that would really, really, really work. Um, I don't know that you could balance it out with the kids as well as uh, Ray Romano did, and everybody loves Raymond. That's just—it's wondering, and it's a curiosity. And there's a lot more that I can get into. And there's a lot more that I can go with this and, and wander around with this. But thank you all for hanging in there as long as you have. Thank you all so much. And like I always wanted to say with Doug, welcome to Shuddy Town. Thank you all for listening so much. Hang on for a little bit more on the end here. want to check out the best podcast and best youtube channel out there true true friends of this podcast check out fantastic cruising over on apple podcast and all your favorite podcasting devices and services give them a five-star review head on over to youtube look up fantastic studios give them a five-star review and give them comments they'll love that to death they are the greatest podcast out there give them a shout out True magic is more than tricks. It's more than smoke and mirrors. It's happiness and the joy of entertainment and fun. It's about believing in something that's fantasy and just here to make you smile. That's what makes a person truly gifted. They just want to make you smile and Vegas has one of those kind, gifted people. Do yourself a blessing you'll never forget visit Jen Kramer at the Westgate, see her show, and follow her on Twitter at Jen Kramer Magic. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters, building a better, safer, more equitable world for lgbtqia people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.